Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. Oh, boy. Welcome back. It's Overnight America. And I want to thank you, as always, for participating, listening, doing what you do, whatever it is on a Sunday night, which is probably sitting back and doing nothing. I kind of wish I was in your boat right now, the one that could sit back and do nothing on a Sunday night. We're going to replay an interview this hour from earlier this week. It was a great discussion from a former gymnast and actually the first known victim of Larry Nasser. Her name's Sarah Klein. Uh, she's a lawyer now. Uh, she's a trial lawyer. She focuses on representing victims of sexual abuse. And Larry Nasser definitely in the news again this week because he was trying to appeal. And it may even go to the Michigan Supreme Court, uh, him appealing all the way to try to lessen his sentence. It doesn't really do much of anything. Maybe it's just a time waster. But what kind of message does that send to the victim? So Sarah Klein's going to join us. And this is a replay from earlier this week. I wanted to bring up just a few things, and I mentioned right before the break what a ditto head is. I learned that over the weekend after listening back to some old interviews from Rush Limbaugh. When you hear the term ditto head, I think people use it inappropriately. They make it sound like you are just someone that agrees with everything that Rush Limbaugh says, like, oh, ditto, ditto, ditto. Well, that's actually not the meaning of what a ditto head is. And I may have been told this in the past, but I learned it and I thought maybe I should share that. Because it kind of reminded me to bring this up based on Ian, who called in from just outside of Toronto, which is so cool that he listens to a show from up there. What would happen in Rush Explain This, back when he first started his radio show in Sacramento, California, people would call in and they would say, I'm so glad you're on the air. This, You know, it's something new. He said that when he first started conservative radio, it was there. But when he first started, it was a lot of bring in interviews, bring in guests. It wasn't a lot of monologuing. He couldn't, you didn't hear three hours of monologuing or taking phone calls like Rush was doing it. So people would call in and say, oh, this is so great. I love your show. You're great. I love your show. And caller after caller, you're so great. I love your show. You're so great. I love your show. And it got to the point where the people would say ditto to what the last person said about loving your show. And a ditto head is someone that loved Rush Limbaugh's program. As in, they liked him. They liked what he was doing. It wasn't that they agreed necessarily with what he was saying. It just means they liked his program. And that's where the ditto head came in. Isn't that cool? So I learned that. And when Ian called in and said he loved the show, I thought, oh, I should probably talk about 
what the ditto head thing is. And it's so cool when anyone will compliment you as a broadcaster. I get a lot of, just like any other broadcaster, you get people that email you nasty things or whatever. They don't like something you said and you just find a way to block it out. Honestly, it, it doesn't affect me much anymore. And, you know, text messages or whatever it is, you can just mute those things. So if it's something that's not meant to be an actual discussion point, it doesn't really uh, affect me at all. So thank you, Ian. I appreciate that. It's so good to hear those things. I saw uh, just a couple of things I want to bring up in a moment. And the LA Times have been talking about this Allen versus Pharaoh HBO documentary that's going on about Woody Allen. And oh my goodness, I, I haven't seen it. I don't know if I will, but after things like this come out, it pretty much kills Woody Allen's any opportunities or anyone that would give him a, like a lifetime achievement award or anything else in the future, because everything is just going to be so tainted in everything he does. This Hollywood mentality where you're allowed to get away with this sort of stuff for years when everyone knew what was going on, this casting couch thing, the Harvey Weinstein, they all knew what was going on and they played this game. I, some people would come out and they would, speak out against it. Some people would joke about just how ridiculous it is that this goes on and still goes on. Why was it that so many different Hollywood members would know this underbelly that there was this sort of understanding that you had to give yourself up sexually in a way in order to advance your career? And that was just a given in Hollywood. And how did it go on for decades and no one said anything? is kind of highlighted of what's going on here today with Woody Allen. This goes back years. They've had all these accusations and it was already super creepy that they would have an adopted child, which he would later romantically court and marry, which is so strange. But in this uh, video, the one that was highlighted by the LA times seven years old at the time, she's sitting there, talking to a camera the date on the tape apparently is august 5th 1992 and here is what the girl dylan farrow was saying i went into your room and we went into the attic says the girl who is busy cutting paper with a pair of scissors now keep in mind i'm not a psychologist by any means but when they try to get a child to open up there's normally you know a distraction in the sense where you know, here's the, here's a doll. You can talk to the doll. Show me where the doll point, you know, point at the doll or whatever. Or, you know, doing arts and crafts. And this kind of helps. It's because a kid was probably nervous or might not talk to an adult about this. But when you have something like here's some construction paper, here's an art project, it makes it a little bit easier for them to feel comfortable talking to an adult. So then the seven-year-old girl, Dylan Farrow, says, then he started telling me weird things. Then he secretly, uh, then secretly he went into the attic. And she mumbles something that says, went behind me and touched my privates. Her voice raises at the word privates. This is on video that was part of the documentary. And that person, of course, is filmmaker Woody Allen, well known for many different years. For decades, even after Dylan came forward as an adult, the allegations against her father had been dismissed by many. And they say it's just a private family matter. This has been going on forever. But when you see a video like a seven-year-old describing how an adult, in this case, uh, Woody Allen, started touching her privates. Oh, boy, this is just terrible. How do you watch any Woody Allen movie, honestly? Uh, Woody Allen apparently has responded and said that he denies any allegations of sexual abuse. He calls this a hatchet job. It's hard to 
look at a seven-year-old specifically talk about this and not believe her. I don't think that any seven-year-old talking about this would do it just for the sake of, you know, maybe in about 30 years, I'll be able to bring this out on an HBO mini documentary series, and then I'll really have them where I want them. Yeah, that was the strategy. No, I don't think so. I don't think this is an invisible type of deal where it's just no one knew it. Everyone, everyone sees this stuff in Hollywood and how many other examples of it are out there? How many other child actors come forward? Corey Feldman last year was talking about abuse cases that, you know, Charlie Sheen denied. And how many other child actors say this is just part of the culture and the way that they groom these kids and the way they make it normal and it just breaks your heart to think this is the type of mentality. Why would anyone let their kid get into this business? I don't know. Why would anyone want to get into Hollywood today, knowing what you know? Uh, there's so many other opportunities for you to express yourself artistically. Um, why the very first time you're propositioned this way, wouldn't you want to go out and stop this? Because you think all my hopes and dreams are going to fly out the window. I'm glad that it's changing. They really have to, they got a dark, dark history. They really need to reconcile and come to grips with because it's not getting any better by just putting out one Woody Allen documentary. You're going to be able to stop one person. Yeah. And that's it. Um, joining us after the break, talking about sexual abuse. She knows a thing or two about it because she was the first known victor of Larry Nasser as a child, a former gymnast growing up, someone that puts her trust into a team doctor sexually abused Larry Nasser in jail for the rest of his life. Now, um, Sarah Klein grows up and she becomes one of the big advocates for those to come forward. She represents victims of sexual abuse. She's going to join us right after the break on overnight America KMOX. St. Louis's traffic station KMOX. Joining us now is a former gymnast, also the first known victim of Larry Nasser. Now a civil and trial attorney, Focus on representing victims of sex abuse. Sarah Klein, thank you for coming on to KMOX. Thank you so much for having me. And Larry Nasser in the news, again, we saw an appeal that uh, didn't work out for him, but there could be another appeal coming forward to the uh, Michigan Supreme Court based on the crimes he was convicted of. He's saying that there was a bias when it came to his sentencing, uh, looking at, what, 60 to 175 years in prison. I'm wondering, uh, considering that now, as a lawyer and someone that represents victims of uh, sexual abuse, is that sentencing too harsh, or do you think it's appropriate? No, the sentence itself is is not too harsh whatsoever, and and I don't even think that his attorneys could find any any reasonable suggestion of that. Um, I think what he's doing is attempting some sort of a hail mary from inside his prison cell. It's clearly not, you know, going so well for him. And it's a it's a, a desire to exert control when control has been taken away from him. And there's nothing a narcissist hates more than, you know, having the attention taken off of him or having any sort of loss of control. So that's what we're seeing here. Um, and to suggest bias in a courtroom, you know, it was a hundred plus women telling the truth about who he is and what he did. And the judge was 
listening and we're grateful for that. And so to attempt to have another judge resentence, I see it as grasping at straws. And it's really our hope that, that the Michigan Supreme Court denies to hear the case and, um, and agrees with the appellate court. So at a time when you see these different appeals, do you have any anything to do with that case, or is it just basically uh, hands-off? It's If it's an appeal, it's just up to a judge if they're going to take the case or not? Yep, it's up to the Michigan Supreme Court. So in terms of the survivors having anything to do with that, um, we don't. And in terms of my, my role as a lawyer, I don't have anything to do with that, given that I was a survivor in that case. Um so we'll just we'll just wait and see what the Michigan Supreme Court says. I cannot imagine that the court is going to want to re-victimize, you know, the hundreds of women who have come forward and, and who spoke at that sentencing and do it all over again. I know that that's a real concern um, that some survivors have, but I don't foresee that happening. Um, and I can't imagine that Larry would want to sit through that again. So we'll see what happens, but here's the good part. We know Nasser is in prison the rest of his life based on his federal sentence. So again, that speaks to the fact that he's not appealing this to try to get out of prison sooner. He's in his mid-50s. Based on his federal sentence, he's never getting out, period. This is a power play. And unfortunately, power and control are very typical characteristics that we see in pedophiles. And so I think that's what's manifesting itself here. You know, as a uh, a trial attorney and you see a lot of different cases. Normally speaking, when you're representing someone that has been a victim of sexual abuse and let's say the perpetrator uh, is found guilty of the crimes, do they normally always find themselves appealing, appealing, appealing? Is that a pretty common thing in a case like this? Um, I think it depends on their their means, um, how much money they have and, you know, sort of how how righteous they really are. So, you know, if he has the resources to do this and he is sitting there still believing, you know, I I didn't do anything wrong, then, you know, it it doesn't surprise me. So you do see it. Absolutely. It's not uncommon. Um, But again, you know, a lot of times perpetrators don't have the resources or or the energy to sort of go through it all over again. But Larry's attempting it, and and clearly from what we saw, even in the courtroom in Lansing, Michigan in January of 2018, Larry wrote a letter to the court, um, you know, asking the court to not let the victim speak anymore because it was too hard for him to listen to, right? Um, he sexually abused over 500 little girls, and it was too hard for him to listen to that truth. So that just goes to speak to who he is. And I'm not surprised by this, but again, we're really hoping that the Michigan Supreme Court uh, denies, denies even hearing this case. Yeah, you, you talk about the resources of Larry Nasser. Is at this point, is there is it possible someone's actually financing him or is he just burning through any savings he had? I have no idea. I can't even begin to imagine. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, who knows? Somebody's paying his lawyers, right? Yeah, there has to be. Well, I, I couldn't imagine them taking it on just for the sake of, you know, wanting to help him out. I don't know who would want to do that. Another thing I was curious about is when it comes to lighter sentencing, and sometimes there are appeals, do you ever find it appropriate? So have you ever seen cases where you look at the case and you realize, well, maybe a lighter sentence would be appropriate? You know, in in the work that I do, I do exclusively sexual abuse cases. I don't ever believe that there is any such instance where there should be a lighter sentence. Um, I think that when you sexually abuse somebody, you are emotionally murdering them. And when you're doing that to a child, you're literally changing the course of their life forever on on not only a cellular level, um, but a psychological level, um, you know, a a mental health level, obviously. And so I don't I don't think there's there's any sentence great enough for that. You've essentially taken the life and the spirit of a child. Um, I, I believe that that the harshest sentence possible is is just. She's a uh, former gymnast, also a victim of Larry Nasser. Now she's a civil and trial attorney focusing on representing victims of sex abuse. And Sarah Klein joining us here on Overnight America. When you hear these different cases appealed, and let's say that for whatever reason, the Michigan Supreme Court decides to hear this case, the appeal case, what does that mean for all of the hundreds of victims of Larry Nasser? Does that send any message to them and is this harmful for the victims to think that he even has a shot of appealing uh, in, a, in a situation like this? Yeah, I think, you know, if the court did choose to hear the case, it's based on the merits, right? So the court is not making a statement that Larry's innocent or your story didn't matter or what happened to you was okay. However, I think that's really still hard for a survivor to reconcile and not take that to mean something um, about about what they've been through and and the cost to them to to have come forward in that first sentencing and that sentence be be redone um, you know so if they hear it and and they're hearing it on the merits you know I I could still disagree with that but it's up to the court to sort of decide and and you know, maybe maybe they ha- would have some reason for doing it. What I would want the survivors to to understand is it doesn't it doesn't make um, your story any less meaningful, and it doesn't you know it doesn't change the outcome, right? And, and I cannot imagine a, a judge that is going to resentence Larry Nasser and give him a lesser sentence. I, I can't imagine that happening. And again, it's sort of a moot point given the fact that his federal sentence spans the rest of his life. So, you know, this is his his state court sentence. And so, you know, even if, worst case scenario, um, you know, he was resentenced to a lesser sentence, he's still in prison the rest of his life. But it does take a psychological tool on the survivor um, to, to experience the power of Larry Nassar from behind mm-hmm. bars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that would be that would be it would be really difficult to to think that he was still sitting back there behind bars pulling the puppet string. Right. Um, that's what he got away with for thirty years, 
and and it's our hope that that no one allows him to to do that but he's not going anywhere um and that's the most important thing he'll never hurt another child Sarah Klein is a former gymnast known as the first victim of Larry Nasser. She stood up and spoke against Larry Nasser and became nationally known for it. Actually won an ESPY for her bravery in 2018. Now she's a civil and trial attorney focused on representing victims of sex abuse. And we'll continue our talks with her coming up after the break. Larry Nasser in the news again. He is trying to appeal to the Michigan Supreme Court for a lighter sentence. We'll continue to get her thoughts on that on Overnight America, KMOS. Welcome back to Overnight America. I'm your host, Ryan Recker. You can find us online, Ryan Recker Radio, on Facebook, or if you want to look up KMOX.com, links to some of the things we do on there. Just go to the show page. She's a former gymnast and the first known victim of Larry Nasser, now a civil and trial attorney focused on representing victims of sex abuse, Sarah Klein, our guest on Overnight America, to discuss Larry Nasser, who is now trying to appeal for a lighter sentence to the Michigan Supreme Court. During the case itself, a very high-profile case, of course, and a lot of people started to learn your name because of this, one of the first to come forward. And since then, we've seen a lot of people recognize the sexual abuse that is just hidden in plain sight in a lot of ways. And you really went out and said, I'm, I want there to be a change for victims of sexual abuse. There needs to be uh, someone out there that is calling for political change or uh, cultural change, things like that. Over the last couple of years, the things that you've been advocating and working for, have you seen change? I have. I have. It's baby steps for sure. What, where I've seen the most change occur is is number one, the stigma and the shame that comes with talking about sexual abuse or acknowledging, you know, that, that you're a survivor of sexual abuse, that has, has lessened, right? We've seen a really powerful movement in, in the country and in the world in that respect. That's wonderful. The other place where I've seen change occur is with, with some laws in terms of statutes of limitations. The statutes of limitations in in each state um, is extremely archaic. It's arbitrary. It makes no sense that by X age you should have reconciled what happened to you and if you wait one week too long, you have zero recourse, right? We know that the average age of reporting child sex abuse is 52 years old for some of the reasons I just touched on, the shame, the confusion, the fact that if it happens when you're a child, you don't necessarily have the language, the ability. In my case, I love Larry. I trusted Larry. It never dawned on me that that's not what doctors do to their patients. When you're eight years old and that's your normal and you don't know anything different, you don't have the the ability to, to or the words to say this is sexual abuse. And so these laws that preclude the survivor from having legal recourse um, are protecting the perpetrators. And, and that's something that we've been really pounding the pavement, kind of going from state to state and saying, look, you know, I, I don't care, you know, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, whatever, but this is a pretty black and white issue. Um, and I think we can all agree on the fact that children should be protected. And, and 
entities and enablers and perpetrators should not be protected. It's been a fight in some states. It's been easier in, in some states over others, but we're getting there. You know, New York, California, New Jersey, we've made real progress. Delaware has eliminated the statute of limitation in civil cases permanently. There isn't even a statute. So that that's progress, right? We're getting there, but it's still... It's still a fight, and, and you might ask why, and it comes back to the old money, power, you know, protect the entity, protect the brand, um, because at the end of the day, it's money. <laughs> you know, it's money, and that's what we saw with Michigan State. That's what we see with USA Gymnastics. That's what we see with the United States Olympic Committee. Um, they They do not want to suffer financially, and they do not want brand damage and so until we get past that kids aren't safe wow um and until the laws protect the kids they're not safe yeah so you're fighting a lot of other entities too um and then that makes it a little bit more difficult because the the incentive for some of these larger institutions like michigan state if you wanted to talk about the difficulty of bringing something like this forward and all the red flags and even those that came forward and they did not respond appropriately to it they're uh, you know of course worried you're right about their own brand which uh, is a, that's not something that anyone or any administrator should ever take into consideration when someone comes up and says they've been a, a victim of sexual abuse that shouldn't have to be something that they try to justify uh, reporting properly because of protecting whatever institution they're working for. And in their own mind, I think about some of the victims having a very difficult time moving on even after the fact, and maybe not with the Nasser case, but there's a lot of people that have found themselves uh, victims of sexual assault, and it doesn't surprise me that a lot of them really don't confront it until they're an adult years after the actual event happened. So for those that may have been fighting this for a long time, what advice do you have to them who may feel like they're helpless in a situation like this? Yeah, I mean, there there are resources, and what we've seen happen is sort of this beautiful uh, family that you never asked to be a part of, but you but you are because of the circumstances that occurred of brother and sister survivors who have come together across the country and really across the world to sort of stand together, stand on each other's shoulders, and say you know, we're taking our power back, we're taking our voices back, and this happened, and it's not okay, and it can never happen again. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing to be able to represent clients who are in, you know, sort of the beginning stages of the healing process, who are just beginning to reconcile some of this stuff, having gone through it personally myself, and now to be able to sort of take their hand and walk them through it. Um, it's, it's really a full circle moment for me. And, you know, what I want to say to any survivor out there, this was not your fault. And you were entitled to a life without this. And given that fact, your voice matters. Healing is possible. And there is the other side to it. Um, and we're here. We are here. You know, I, I am part of the, the survivor army. Um, and, and again, I, I represent survivors for a living and it's the greatest honor of my lifetime. And it's, it's a real family. So if anybody's listening who feels alone, you are not alone. Reach out, 
speak up. We're here. We believe you. And this was not your fault. Uh, and one last question. Uh, Sarah Klein is a former gymnast and the first known victim of Larry Nasser. And this one's a little bit more personal in the sense, but you talk about your mission and purpose and everything that you've worked for. And I listened to how positive you are based on this. Uh, we know that Larry Nasser was ultimately held accountable for his crimes. How do you, as a victim, how do you make it so you're not bitter, you're not vindictive? How are you able to get to that point where you're able to talk about this and make something good out of it? Yeah, you know, holding on to, you know, rage and anger and anguish and pain is not harming Larry Nassar, it's harming me. And it's affecting my day-to-day life and my ability to, you know, be the person that I want to be in terms of a mother, in terms of a lawyer representing survivors, and, you know, in terms of just a, a member of our society. And so it's, it's something where I've been able to get to the point where I have given meaning to what happened to me. I think some of that bitterness and rage comes from feeling like why me or something was taken from me and it's not fair. And that's all true. And those are all very real, you know, feelings. And I've definitely gone through them. Um, But being able to say I didn't go through that experience for no reason. I went through that experience 17 years of basically daily abuse so that now I can take that person who is terrified and and afraid and alone and, you know, struggling and I can walk with them and I can help them get their life back and their power back like, like others did for me. And that's my healing. That is my healing process. It has it has been tremendously healing for me to get to be the one now that that takes their hands and gets them through it. And so, you know, if if this is if if I had to go through all of that to get to this point, then I guess I could say that that I'm grateful for it and it makes sense to me. And so, giving meaning to suffering really helps with the with the negative emotions that can really consume you, as you said, and, and keep you frozen. Well, let's say someone here is listening. They want to learn more about the work that you're doing, or maybe they know someone or even themselves that um, they haven't confronted something in their past. What's the first step for them? Where should they go? What should, who should they talk to? I respond to every single email or, you know, direct message on on Instagram or Twitter um, that I receive because if, if somebody has the courage enough to reach out, I, I do not take that lightly. And so I can be found at manlystewart.com, M-A-N-L-Y-S-T-E-W-A-R-T, um, and on Twitter at S-G underscore Klein, K-L-E-I-N, and on Instagram at Sarah with an H G Klein, and you know there are resources. If I if I can't help in, in my capacity as a lawyer or another survivor, I can certainly point you in the right direction. Mm, this is uh, important, and I'm glad that we had some time to talk about it tonight. Uh, now a civil and trial attorney, but uh, a former gymnast and first known victim of Larry Nasser, Sarah Klein. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming on and discussing uh, Larry in the news, trying to make that appeal here on Overnight America. Absolutely. Thank you so much.
Sarah Klein joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. We'll take a look at your weather in just a few minutes on Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com on KMOX. Oh boy. All right. Last couple of minutes here before we say goodnight uh, one last time for the night. And that was a really good interview and timely. And on Friday, there was that other breaking news. Another one of the people that have been associated when it comes to gymnasts and the uh, Olympic gymnast team was about to go to a court hearing, didn't show up. They found him uh, with was an apparent suicide at his home. So it's something that happened after that interview, but it was still timely. And it was one that I wanted to replay based on some of the things we were talking about here. Well, I wanted to also bring up one other thing, and Andrew Cuomo is in some serious trouble. So he's the governor of New York, and rightfully so in trouble, because this this should um, have been taken more serious earlier, as opposed to him clowning around on CNN with his brother. Uh, all of these things have been brought up before, but the different accusations haven't been taken seriously. It seems to have come in light with some of the other problems that he's having right now, governor, including hiding what was going down inside of those nursing homes, not uh, accurately reporting these things, making decisions in the uh, in a manner that would have cost people's lives. So a second former aide has come forward with sexual harassment allegations against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who was looked at as the savior of the party. How many people last year said, oh, I wish Andrew Cuomo would run for president. He'd be so great. Oh, he's so dreamy. They put like pictures of him up on their wall and they have like little hearts around them and girls in their locker rooms and uh, notebooks are writing like AC loves. And then they have his uh, their initials underneath it. You know, everyone's getting these dreamy eyes for Governor Cuomo. And he turns out to just be another Avenatti, a, a false savior for the Democratic Party. And they really fall into these traps. They start to uh, have these love affairs with creeps. So Charlotte Bennett is the health policy advisor in the Democratic governor's uh, administration until November, told the New York Times that Cuomo asked her inappropriate questions about her sex life, including whether she's ever had sex with older men. Kind of creepy, kind of like the M.O. that we saw with the other accuser that came forward saying, hey, let's play strip poker or whatever he said to her, allegedly. Now, Andrew Cuomo's got a lot of answering to do, and it sounds like he's uh, also targeting people through intimidation. You had some people as part of the uh, Congress inside of uh, New York, the House House members that were uh, pushed around, harassed, called, screamed at because they wanted investigations into these things and not treated all that well, hot-headed, kind of like his brother over on CNN. And there's all of these different problems going down. I don't think this is going away anytime soon, rightfully so. I don't know why it took him so long for it to take into consideration now, but kind of fits in what we've seen with Larry Nasser, not to the same extent by any means, but flushing these sort of stories out, and we're starting to see more and more of them. And a couple of other stories. I saw this earlier, and I didn't get a chance to uh, replay it, but it's well worth your time. Cardinals tying with the Washington Nationals 4-4 to earlier today in their first preseason uh, exhibition spring training game. One of the highlights that was trending on social media, the Cardinals announcer team on the TV side talking about Angel Hernandez of the uh, Washington Nationals. Listen to how they set him up. And the 1-1. Hey! 
Angel Hernandez is in midseason form. Now a big swing and a miss. Angel Hernandez is in midseason form. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> mid-season form. Oh, a swing and a miss. I love the deep, great announcer voice on this. Angel Hernandez is in mid-season form. That is so funny. I had a couple of other clips from CPAC from earlier today. I didn't get a chance to play. Should we play some more Donald Trump clips? Let's do that because that was the big thing. You know, a lot of people will be playing these clips tomorrow. But considering that you're staying up late with us here on Overnight America, you're the first to hear them on radio. Not a lot of other live shows get to do that here tonight. So we already talked about um, President Trump. How about, um, hmm. yeah, I already played the Democrats stick together. I'm trying to think of one okay here's what he was talking about with the supreme court this is one of those moments that it seems to be getting a lot of play if you just take that one element where they didn't go through legislatures it's illegal you can't do it it's in the constitution they didn't have the courage the supreme court they didn't have the courage to act but instead used process and lack of standing I was told the president of the United States has no standing. It's my election. It's your election. We have no standing. We had almost 20, if you think of it, we had almost 20 states go into the Supreme Court so that we didn't have a standing problem. They rejected it. They rejected it. They should be ashamed of themselves. Ooh, big call out to the Supreme Court. Uh, how about this one on the vaccine? He really hits Joe Biden here, and Joe Biden just continues to look more clueless every time he gets in front of a camera. In fact, the director of National Institutes of Health, Francis Collins, he's Fauci's boss, actually. I think he's a Democrat, too, by the way, recently said that our Operation Warp Speed was absolutely breathtaking and that the Trump administration deserves full credit, which we do. And as conservatives and Republicans, never forget that we did it. Never let them take the credit because they don't deserve the credit. They just followed now. They're following our plan. But this has been something that they really call, they call it a, an absolute miracle. Joe Biden is only implementing the plan that we put in place. And if we had an honest media, which we don't, they would say it loud and clear. By the time I left that magnificent house at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, almost 20 million Americans had already been vaccinated. 1.5 million doses were administered on my final day alone. 1.5 million in a day. Yet Biden said just a few days ago that when he got here, meaning the White House, there was no vaccine. He said, there's no vaccine. Oh, good. Say it again, Joe. Now, I don't think he said that, frankly, in a malicious way. I really don't. I actually believe he said that because he didn't really know what the hell was happening. Well, he doesn't really know what's happening. Oh, man. So condescending. And could it be true that he really doesn't know what's happening? Probably. I mean, how many times have we seen... Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris say, oh, no, I, I, she was on the conference call. She was the one calling leaders, doing these sort of business things that the president would normally do, as in, hey, we're going to get the training wheels off of Kamala Harris here soon enough. 
almost indicate that sort of is uh, uh, coming up soon. Wow. Well, that about does it for us here on Overnight America. There's a couple of different ways you can reach the show. Uh, Social media is always one of those ways because I check that during the day. I don't check text messaging or anything like that when I'm not doing the show. So if you ever wanted to reach me and you find yourself still on social media, but you hate social media, but you're still on social media, but you hate it. You and I both. So you could hate it with me by liking Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook at Ryan Recker on Twitter. All the late night people that may be listening right now, if you're on social media and you don't like my page, what are you waiting for? We need to uh, stay strong, us late night people. Ryan Wrecker Radio on Facebook. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. Our friend Rich Rubino joins us. I also have Julio Gonzalez, who is a tax expert. So what exactly will New York be looking at when it comes to Donald Trump's tax records? He'll answer that question tomorrow night after that Billikens basketball game. Enjoy the rest of your night. We'll see you again soon. Have a good one. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.